everybody, welcome to episode 62 of the Utah Royals FC show. I'm Virtro, and with me I have RJ. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty well on this Monday. Uh, it's a little rainy here, but such is uh, the spring in upstate New York. Such is the spring. You know, today well, we had rain for like nine days in a row. Maybe it was like Ooh. eight or seven, but it was a lot. It was super cloudy. It's my favorite type of weather. And now it's all sunny and we're we're getting to the point where um, it's just, the, the temperature is just going to skyrocket. So not looking forward to that, but eh, weather's weather. It's 58 here right now. I would like the temperature to skyrocket to like 73 and then stay there all summer. See, that's perfect. I just don't want to deal with the like 95 degrees BS. I'm not here for that. Yeah, I'm not here for that. We're rocking 77 right now. So like, it's not bad. It's an enjoyable temperature, but it's, you know, the sign of um, buying more sunscreen on the horizon. <laughs> <laughs> you might be the only person I know that is somehow paler than I am. Uh, I did not know this was possible, but apparently it is. <laughs> I am so pale. So, so pale. Um in fact, the reason that my girlfriend and I can't take pictures together is because she is so dark and I am so white and it just it just does not look good. All right, um, so let's get right into it. So obviously June is playing for Pride, so players will donate money for appearances, goals scored, saves, clean sheets, wins, etc., etc. Um, and the Royals are doing an awesome job on this, a really awesome job on it. Um, so out of 16 NWSL players, nine of those players, so Vero, Gunny, Gabby Vincent, Abby Smith, Becca Moros, Mandy Laddish, Alex Kimball, Katie Stengel, Diana Matheson, have all, um, you know, said that they're going to donate money, depending on if they score a goal, or I think in Alex Kimball's, it's just making the bench. So that's really cool. Um... Diana Matheson has also said she'll donate. Um, she's not playing, obviously, this month, but she's donating for every uh, Royals game and every uh, Canadian national team game. I'm not sure if there's goals or anything else, but I know she said uh, she's definitely doing it, even if she's not playing. I love that. I love that. And all the proceeds go to Athlete Ally, I believe. Very cool. Very cool stuff. I'm glad that we do this, and it's awesome to see... Utah Royals, at least in terms of the NWSL, lead the way. Um, there's a couple RSL players. I know Corey Baird and Justin Glad are doing that as well. Yeah, I talked a little bit about this on Quick Kicks um, with Luis, and I love seeing it. I wish there were more players. I know this is not the only you know charity. They they obviously all do a lot of things, um, but I would like to see just the NWSL just grow. Mm -hmm. Definitely, definitely. I felt like there was much more it was much more spread out last year maybe i'm remembering wrong but i feel like that's what i remember um, i think so so on the notion of charities the court sg i'll shout this out so doing a pride raiser which is very similar so essentially um, you donate x amount of money per goal and then that money will be given at the end of the month to the transgender education advocates of utah so um, that's Here's pretty a awesome. question. Mm -hmm. What happens if they don't score any goals, which is looking incredibly more likely? <laughs> uh, then it's a bad fundraiser. Does it default to games played instead? I 
do not know. I will have to ask. That's a fantastic question. I will I will ask. It will be on my to-do list and we'll loop back around and tweet it out. Because, um, yeah, that could be really, really sad if uh, there's just zero goals. I know there's also the ability to match what players are doing, so money may come through that way. But, uh, yeah, we'll see. It's super easy. It's a great cause. Uh, in the info section or the, the synopsis summary, whatever you want to call it, I will include a link to that pride raiser if you want to join us in that. Um, and even if you're not in a position to donate, like me, my shoestring budget, uh, you know, just tell people about it because uh, word of mouth can go a long way. All right, so switching to on the field stuff, Lola Bonta, two-game suspension, already played one of those games. Uh, I think, I I honestly think this is the NWSL saying, okay, we should have caught it when it happened. We're going to attack on two games instead of one game to prove a point. What do you think? Yeah, I think that's likely very much the case. And I don't know how I feel about that because on one hand, Lola Bonta did a bad thing and should be punished for it. Like, I don't think anybody can disagree, even if you're, you know, a super Royals fan, that players should kick each other in the shins um now you can say well pickett did x y and z but she still kicked carson pickett in the shins like this is not this is not controversial that the thing happened um but i don't know how i feel about oh we didn't catch it so we're gonna punish you even more because she didn't it wouldn't have been an entire game that she was out for the red card um she would have missed about a half an hour and that's the one thing I really do hate about soccer is it's sort of an all or nothing. It can't be like, okay, we're going to suspend you for a game and a half. Like, I'm sure technically they probably could, but they just don't. <laughs> they do full games. I sort of would like to see a half game suspension of like, okay, you can play in the second half, but then your team has to use a sub to get you in. And, and it like, I would be okay with that. Um, I, overall, I think it's better to over uh, suspend than under suspend in situations like this. And you know, we'll we'll see if she does something like this again. But it, it was a serious infraction. It was a bad foul. It was a bad foul. So um, some news. So the club signed Melissa Louder and Alexa Newfield as national team replacements, which is really interesting to me. Both of these players, actually, because one, um, I I like the idea of, you know, giving someone who was part of preseason camp and, you know, playing, you know, the opportunity to come up. But I don't, I mean, I don't know. I just don't, unless there was some sort of concern about an injury, which I don't think there was because, you know, Barney started, Abby Smith was on the bench. I don't see how this signing makes sense. A lot of teams like to carry a third goalkeeper, um, especially if, Say Nicole Barnhart is is still healthy, but Laura Harvey wants to really manage her minutes. If they're doing a full training, you don't necessarily want Barney to do the full training as a goalkeeper if you're if you're really managing her time, right? So I could see that being like, okay, we want to get somebody in there. Maybe they're thinking about trading somebody. Maybe they're thinking about trading Smith. Maybe she wants to try to go someplace where she can start. Oh, maybe. Um, that would be a possibility. I don't know. I haven't heard anything like that. And I mean, but Seattle just lost a starter in Michelle Betos and Lydia Williams is likely gone for at least two months. So 
maybe Abby Smith wants to try to go, you know, to Seattle. Casey Murphy. I could see a few Seattle players that would be very useful right now for Utah. Uh, Harvey's familiar with a lot of them. So I don't know. That That's more conspiracy theory than anyway. But that would be why I could see them signing a backup is both for training um, to have a third keeper around and because maybe Abby Smith is getting restless on the bench. Also, what do you think about Alexa Newfield? This is really interesting to me because she was cut last year. I don't have any thoughts about Alexa Newfield. I think she's fine. I think in a normal NWSL season, she doesn't see the bench for many teams. Yeah, that's fair. Harvey's familiar with her. That might be why she's coming in. Yeah, I I definitely don't think it's a long-term thing. But at the same time, like I'm excited about it because she was part of, you know, her and Megan Kelly were part of this, you know, beginning new franchise process. And we never saw minutes from either her or Megan Kelly. So it's just kind of interesting that, um, you know, she gets a sub right after she, she signed. And uh, I don't know, maybe she had been around camp. I don't think so. I think it may have just been a a call up. But Oh, well, we will see where that goes. Um, I don't know. We'll see what happens. All right. So we said there's a lot of things to say um, about the club not doing the TV deal with Carla and Greg. Um, But one, I guess you could say one step forward is happening. So there is a radio broadcast now on ESPN 700 with Carla and Landon Southwick. I think that's huge for the club, but it's still, you know, obviously not where we should be, but, but there may be a TV deal for the entirety of the league in the works. RJ, I'll let you talk about that. So Bob Williams, uh, who writes for uh, sports business, um, a site out of London actually is reporting uh, that they're expected to sign a deal for in the second half of the year um, with the growth in the league. Um, they're trying to capitalize on the NWSL. Amanda Duffy told him uh, they were going to announce the deal, quote, very soon. Um, I mean, you would sort of want to do it during the World Cup so people could get invested. And when the players come back, I think when the players come back, there has to be a way to watch them on traditional TV. I know a lot of NWSL fans are younger, but a lot of sports fans just don't care about streaming. Like if you're an NFL fan, you turn on 6, 10 or 13 on, you know, Sundays and the, the games are there. Like you don't have to search for them. And I think there is power in that, even if a lot of the younger generation just doesn't want to have to deal with that um, and would rather stream. I think there's a lot of opportunity lost if you're not on sort of that linear broadcast as well. So I would be interested. I'd be interested to see who they get for announcing. I'm going to be interested to see if it's every game or a once a week thing. I don't know. Um, but if they do this right, this could be a huge, huge thing for the league. And hopefully teams would get some some money out of it. I am stoked. I am stoked about this possibility, but please, for the love of God, do not reschedule any games to 1 p.m. That's my only thought. That's, uh, I say that mostly out of my own self-interest. Um, <laughs> all right, so we had a game of soccer that was played. Uh, RJ, I'll let you take it away and uh, chime in. So, look, guys, I spend a lot of time thinking about the Utah Royals. I know 
I am not always sunshine and rainbows, but I think sometimes trying to be sunshine and rainbows leads you down bad paths. Um, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. Utah played badly and they got beat. That's what happens when you play badly a lot. Um, This game was a game of frustration for me on a couple levels. And I sort of want to walk through a few levels with your Virjo. On number one, this game makes me incredibly frustrated by how the schedule is for the World Cup. Because you take a talent to team like Utah, right? You have Kristen Press and Kelly O'Hara and Becky Sauerbrunn and Desiree Scott and um, Katie Bowen and Rachel Corsi, right? Like those are talented players. You t- mm-hmm. And you pull them, you pull the basically the core, the center of that team out. And then you take three players and you're like, all right, season ending injuries for you three who would have been playing. Uh, DMath would have been away with Canada, but the other two would have been playing in Lytle and uh, Brittany Ratcliffe. All right, we're going to take those nine players out of your roster. So you have what? You have Nicole Barnhart, who probably would be starting right now, and maybe one other player, maybe Laddish. That's really hard, right? Like. Mm-hmm. The frustration of this game to me isn't Laura Harvey doesn't know how to coach a team and it's not Utah is a bad team. And it's not even that Laura Harvey didn't make good moves. So when the national teamers were gone, she had a team that was was still reasonably intact. The problem is you can only push a team so hard and so far to the breaking point by extracting that talent. You can only do that so much. You can only pull those threads so much. And I think for the first time we saw what it looks like for Utah to just break. They could not handle it because they've lost so much and they've had to deal with these knocks and they've had to deal with players who have gone cold in Katie Stengel, who, you know, I think Laura Harvey was counting on. The midfield hasn't played really cohesively. Gunny's had to be farther back, which you know, neutralizes a lot of her special skills. So for me, this is a game of the Utah Royals found their breaking point and and actually broke a little bit. Now, if they can take the two weeks off and recover or they can, you know, do a little rearranging, I think they'll, I don't think they're broken permanently, but I want to get your thoughts just sort of on that idea of this is what happens when you just extract all that talent and make them play games sort of sort of like playing games on a on a twisted ankle eventually you're going to break it i agree with that i think that but i also think that a good portion of the league is also playing that game but not washington like not washington i agree but i still think that they're that utah is deep enough and good enough and you know what they've shown us this year even with players missing good enough to get a result or even a draw against i mean maybe not even a draw but a performance that was not piss poor looking like they didn't care uh out there i I think that it could have been closer especially when you look at how young and inexperienced so much of this washington roster is yeah tactically they're playing great but i think talent wise utah is better than that 
and it just did not click. I th- I do think there is some of that frustration, right? Like Amy Rodriguez is not playing like herself. Katie Stengel has gone cold. Um, Gunny's having to play a little bit out of where she would prefer probably to be on the field. Laddish is still working back to being sort of the player that she used to be. I do think some of it is just that frustration of it. Of you take a team who even now they're still not a bad team and they just can't get it all together. And I think that breeds frustration that breeds them, you know, making bad passes because they just want to get one pass off and it leads to them playing tight. It leads to them missing opportunities. It leads to them sort of, it's that self-replicating cycle where they're just, they're playing bad because they're playing tight. They're playing tight because they're playing bad. Yeah. I, I agree with that. Just, I don't know. For me, this game has been one of the most frustrating games in franchise history. And maybe that's because I, I sort of maybe think that Washington, maybe their record is better than what they actually are. Um, and I don't know. There were just so many potential opportunities in this game that got shut down because I felt like there wasn't enough movement as a unit, right? Um, if you were to look at Vero this game, she is kind of the only player that played rather well in this game. And maybe I'm being harsh, um, but it seemed like she was just playing levels above the rest of the team and the rest of the team just could not keep up with her. So I, I agree that Vero has definitely been the the player on this team that has played the best. But Vero's also the player on this team who is playing in the right position and is hot, right? Like Katie Stengel is playing in the right position, but she's just not playing very well. Amy Rodriguez is playing in the right position. She's just, she's getting goals, but she's going so quiet so often. Um, so I think Vero is, if Kristen Press was here, I think Vero and Press would have seven, nine goals by now, right? Like, they they looked really good together the few games they had. The problem is press isn't there. So Vero, m- one of my frustrations with Vero is she's doing these really great things, but she's not tailoring them to the personnel she has. She's making these passes that press would jump on. And I'm sure when she gets back, she's going to be extremely happy to have. But Kristen Press isn't out there. It's Katie Stengel and Amy Rodriguez, who are both great forwards, but they're great in different ways and they make different runs. So the one criticism of Vero I would have is it seems like she's playing a game for a player that's not on the pitch right now. That's fair. That's fair. But I think that, I mean, I don't know. And maybe this is just from, unfortunately, this week I was only able to watch it live. I wasn't able to go back and rewatch it. Um, but at least from the the TV perspective, it just feels like, I don't know, there's just not cohesion. I don't know if I want to say that there was an effort because I'm sure there was, but, you know, from the TV's perspective, it looks like there just wasn't. Now, the last 15 minutes were a lot better, but up to that point, it just seemed kind of casual. Did, did you feel that way a little bit? Yeah, but I think that's been their problem all year. I I don't think that's a new thing. I think all year, a little bit of that lackadaisicalness sort of crept in. That's the reason they didn't beat North Carolina. Yeah. Like, 
They just don't have urgency when they score. And the problem is when they don't score, they still don't have the urgency, um, which bit them in the butt this time. It became something where they went down and then they went farther down. You never saw the, can I swear? Go for it. So you never saw the McCall's or Boney we're fucking winners moment that the U.S. had. <laughs> you never saw anybody do that. You never saw Amy Rodriguez or Katie Stengel or Barney or somebody do that. There is no Kelly O'Hara. There is no Becky Sauerbrunn. There is no Rachel Corsi. There is no Diana Matheson. There is no, you know, player to do that right now. And that to me is a huge problem is yes, Barney is captain and she's a great captain right now. I, I do not begrudge Barney that leadership. And I think she's a great leader, but she's not the leader that's going to get into that, you know, huddle before they go out and get everybody fired up to where they're just like, we're going to win this. We're going to do it. That's a fantastic point. That's a fantastic point. And I never approached it from that lens, honestly, but do you think even then, I mean, I feel like on paper, even missing Becky Sauerbrunn, you know, Corsi, uh, you know, Desi, I feel like this team on paper still should at least get a draw. They should still at least get a goal or at least look somewhat remotely dangerous. They should look remotely dangerous. Yes, you were absolutely right there. Amy Rodriguez should be playing better than she is. But I think part of the, part of that is these this team has been pushed to their breaking point and they've broken. And I think this break is a good moment um, for them to sort of take stock. I think they're tired. I think they're they don't know how to fix the things that are going wrong. You know, they're up against North Carolina and they let it slip away. They get beaten by Houston. They get beaten by Washington. I think it's just taking a mental toll. I think World Cup years are fundamentally harder than any other year in soccer because of how it works out. I honestly don't think A-Rod had that bad of a game. I think there just wasn't, I mean, it wasn't her best game. You know, she has scored four goals in each of the four matches. So she obviously didn't get a goal. I don't think she was horrible, um, but you're right. I don't think she was good, but I personally would not put a whole ton of that blame on her, but that's just me. I just feel like there wasn't a buildup. There wasn't a, there what whatever was trying you know whatever the tactical plan was just was not effective and i think laura harvey said that in her postgame remarks she, she said i i didn't prepare them enough i didn't prepare them well enough and i think that is a fundamental part of playing washington this year is this is a very different washington team this is a incredibly cohesive this is Washington has a little bit of what North Carolina had last year. Maybe not the talent, maybe not the personnel, but they have just a fundamental belief that they can go out in any given game and win. And that is a huge mental advantage when you're playing a team as talented as Utah still is, but they don't seem to have that belief. And that I think that mentality is what really helped them and Ashley Hatch being just incredible. Mm-hmm. That's a fantastic point. I mean, I think if you were to look at this game, at least from the TV perspective, you know, because being there is completely different when you can see the whole picture, but it looked like Washington 
were the go-getters. They wanted to win the game. They wanted to do everything they could to, to win the game. Ashley Hatch, fantastic. That goal is phenomenal. Uh, their movement was great. And for the Royals, it just looked like we're here and we're going to chase it if the opportunities come, but we're not going to you know, put our feet on the line and run at it. I mean, they had 37% possession. Exactly. For a team that Laura Harvey is coaching, that is like zero. Like Laura Harvey's teams usually have a fair bit of possession. She likes to hold the ball and they just, they couldn't hold on to the ball. Um, which I think, I mean, they had 366 passes the entire game. Washington had 621. Oh my God. Like it just, and their passing accuracy wasn't bad. It was 74%, but it just, it, it wasn't good passes. It wasn't smart. It wasn't the kind of soccer that you expect out of a Laura, Laura Harvey coach team. Um, and I think that I think it's as hard for the coaching staff to lose the players as it is for the other players on the team. Oh, absolutely. Laura Harvey put together an incredible team and she's having it sort of ripped away from her bit by bit and she has to get through games. Now, I do want to talk a little bit about two things that are going to come in the next game. I, I'm not sure we're done with Washington, but there's, there's one thing I want to ask you specifically. Uh, Sky Blue is the next game. Should they just say, screw it, throw numbers forward, just attack all game mercilessly, be like, all right, backline Barney or Abby Smith, you hold it down. We're just going to attack. Because they, they seem to try to sit back a little bit and try to play this sort of like a little bit tempered style. Part of me thinks they should just say, you know what, we're just going to go for it. And if we get beaten, we get beaten. But let's let's just, you know, go balls to the walls a little bit. Um, That's a great question. Yeah, I, I don't think you come with the approach that if we get beaten, we get beaten. I do think you change something. I think you change something tactically. Um, I'm a big fan of Katie Stengel, but to be honest, this year, her performances have been very underwhelming. And I say this because I love the team, right? You know, like we are not, you know, you, we wouldn't be overly critical of the team if we didn't care about it and we weren't passionate. Um, but for me, I don't know. Like you said, she's cold, but she's been kind of consistently cold all year, um, at least from my perspective. And so I I really like this 4-4-2 at first, but I think we switch back to a 4-3-3. I think, and this is probably a super hot take, you put Amy Rodriguez at the top at the nine. I think you put Vero on the left or the right wing, whatever her preference is. I think you put Tim Rack or Mallory Weber in whatever side Vero doesn't take. Because frankly, I think Erica Timrak really sort of, I, I think she gave that team an extra jolt when she came on. She looked very good to me. And then I think you still play Katie Stengel, but I think you have her sit back and not play, you know, like a creator role in a 10, but more of a holdup role. And that's something that they did a couple times last year. Now they also had Kristen Press running down the wing which makes a whole load of difference, but I don't know. Did you know Kristen Press is an incredibly fast player? Yes. Yes, I do. When Kristen Press is on the field, tactics can be fundamentally different. And I'm not laughing at oh, you. Oh, of course. I know. My God. Like, I just, watching Vero play, I swear to God, there's a ghost of Kristen Press that she can, that she can see and the rest of us can't. Because I'm just watching her going, yep, Press would have that. Ooh, O'Hara would love that. But like all of these players that are not there, she would just 
be giving them amazing chances. And it is that frustration I see in her face of like, I'm giving you everything. It just, it doesn't suit the personnel there, but she's only, you know, eight games in, seven games in. So I don't blame her for not being cohesive entirely. I think this has to be a hard season for this to be your first season back in the NWSL. Um, I would, I, I, I could dig the four, three, three. I would probably put Weber, uh, Timurak and, and Rodriguez up top. I would put Vero in the 10 and just be like, look, you are the maestro. Do your job to these three, to their talents and, and go for it. And then I'd put um, Gunny and, and Laddish probably behind her. It's still not Gunny's best position, but I think mm-hmm. just sort of, I, I would almost play without sort of that holding mid and just be like, look, we need, we need more attack than we have and, and just see what happens. Do you bench Stangle then? I, I, I don't think benching is a bad thing. I think sometimes you just have to be like, look, this isn't working. And you can always sub her on. It's not like she's, you know, banished from the field forever. Mm -hmm. Um, You can sub her on if if you need her. But I think giving her both a mental break in terms of her playing and and the team a slightly different aesthetic, I don't think that's a bad thing. I think sometimes you need to do that for both the team and the player's sanity. I absolutely think you need to do that. I mean, Katie Stengel has an incredible capacity to be hungry and be hungry for goals, but she just doesn't, she just not, has not looked it for whatever reason. So absolutely, I think you do that. Um, I, I mean, I am good with Weber and Tim Rack starting on the wings. Absolutely. Although at the same time, and I think this is something that a lot of people don't give Vero a ton of credit for because historically she is that playmaker but girl can finish. She can finish oh, yeah. really, really well. And I think that, you know, she's not a like for like Kristen Press. She does, you know, the chemistry is obviously there. But I do think that I, I like the idea of Vero on the wing and Stangle at the, you know, it's like a holding, attacking midfielder, whatever you want to call it, just because Vero is so fast. And I think that she can probably make a lot of runs that Kristen Press does. Whether she gets the service is a different story, but I think that she has the hunger to actually run after every ball and do what she can with it. So I think if you put her in positions to score, I think she's going to be able to, even if she doesn't necessarily get the service, at least better than what we're seeing, at least better than what we saw with the Washington game. I think you can still play her as the attacking mid and just give her the green light that if she sees the lane open to take it. Um, I'm sort of envisioning her playing a more Lauren Holiday-ish role because Mm -hmm. Amy Rodriguez did really, really good when she had sort of an attacking mid that just made her look good. Um, I will forever, ever lament the fact that Lauren Holiday is not playing soccer. And if FC Casey reverted to Utah and Lauren Holiday was still on the payroll, man, that would be some good soccer right now. Um, But... That is not the world we live in. We live in the bad timeline. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I think I think there are things that Laura Harvey is going to change. I don't think she's going to come out of this break and play the exact same formation, the exact same starting lineup that she did in this game. Um, I think she knows it's not working. I'm just interested to see how she's going to change it because I do think she's going to do some of these things, but I don't know how far she's willing to adjust things at this moment. Because everything is going to change in, you know, five weeks when they get, when everybody comes back. 
Exactly. Exactly. Oh, it makes everything so complicated. Um, <laughs> I do want to talk. I do want to talk about some math I did. If you if you will indulge me. Absolutely. So, the players came back from the World Cup. The U.S. players came back around the third week in July in 2015. Now they went to the finals of the World Cup and they won it, and there were celebrations, and you know it's been 16 years and all that. So. That is, I, that would be my guess for as far out as they would possibly go. Um, so that is the second Sky Blue game. The team plays um, Sky Blue twice, Portland and North Carolina, which are not easy games. Um, the Portland and North Carolina especially are, are tough games. But if the team can get seven points in four games, which I think is reasonable, two mm-hmm. wins at Sky Blue and then a draw either against North Carolina or Portland... They're sitting in 20 points when the cavalry comes back, in a sense. And I think they'll be okay. Now, you know, it'll take a game for chemistry to come back, maybe. But I think they can hold on. They just have to have sort of 20 points when everybody comes back. And you're going to assume, and I know it's sacrilege, but Scotland's not going to the final of the World Cup, guys. Corsi's going to be back sooner. Bowen's going to be back sooner. Potential Desi Scott is back sooner, depending on how Canada does. So though, if those three players come back reasonably soon, like, you know, before the North Carolina game and then on the, or before the Portland game on the 19th, and then you get the Americans back before the 27th when they're playing North Carolina, they're okay. Suddenly a lot of these questions of, you know, who plays here or who plays there it's suddenly, oh yeah, Desi Scott plays there and Kristen Press plays there and Becky Sauerbrunn and Rachel Corsi play there. You know, all of these questions suddenly go away. And we're going to have new questions. You know, I don't expect them to come back and, you know, Kristen Press scores a hat trick every game. But the questions change. And I think looking at it that way versus, oh man, are they going to get through this break at all? Looking at it and being like, okay, there are reasonably four games probably before they get back. These are the four games. If they can get seven points, they'll be okay. I think that's a lot less scary to look at. Yeah, you are you are hitting the nail on the head. Um, though I, I, I do think you need to get six points against Sky Blue. I think at least one of those games is a must-win game, especially with how... Oh, I think both of them started. are. Yeah, yeah. You know, if the Royals were going to do well, I think, and I think um, the Wilson Independent, talked about this a little bit in their their preview but they needed to get off to a good start and the royals got off to a dream start nine points in nine games since then they've gone a four of 12 they need to be somewhat consistent for the rest of the season i think if they want to get into the playoffs and they're going to need to finish strong to you know i think make an actual run in the playoffs and get to that final i think if utah gets into the playoffs utah will go to the final Probably like that's that's the hard part is we don't know how the other teams I mean, you know, Portland could get their starters back and could play worse than they're playing. We've seen that before. We saw that a couple teams in 2015. You know, you never know who's going to come back injured. You know, Marta's injured right before the World Cup. Is she going to be okay? Is she going to get a a knock picked up? You know, you never know who's going to come back broken. Um, So, you know, Sam Kerr could have an amazing game do a backflip, you know, after scoring the winning goal in the final and tear ACL, like knock on every piece of wood around you, but it is possible. Um, players come back hurt. So, uh, we'll see. It's the world cup is crazy guys. And we have the Olympics next year. 
fun, fun. Speaking of the World Cup while we're on it, we are going to have a separate episode this week where it'll it'll be a lot shorter where we're just giving giving predictions one by one. That that will be a lot of fun. But yeah, the World Cup is a game in and of itself. Do you want to talk about Richie Burke? Okay, we can talk about Richie Burke. What are your thoughts on Richie Burke? I he's clearly a good coach if Washington Spirit has done a literal 180 you know, losing Mallory Pugh and Rose Lavelle. Um, I think it's a, I think him being a good coach is not an excuse for the actions that he is alleged to have done. And I think there needs to be a lot more digging. I think there needs to be a lot more. Um, Cause for, from what I remember, if I remember correctly, the club Washington spirit did not even talk to um the former youth player who brought forth the accusations, which is really, really problematic. Um, this needs to be a conversation that keeps on happening. And, you know, you and I ranted about this, um, but it's super, super pissed me off to hear the commentators say that Richie Burke, who is a first time head coach is equally a student of the game as Laura Harvey, which is definitely not true in a tactical standpoint, and also, if he's out here calling, um, you know, um, his youth team players faggots, that's super problematic and not okay. I wrote a piece, um, it's on Backline Soccer, uh, if you want to read it, that has my thoughts probably more coherently than I'm going to say them here. It's very good. Read it. Um, my problem with Richie Burke is not the fact that he is a good coach. There are a lot of people who are alleged to do a lot of bad things who are very good at their day jobs. My problem is that the league does not seem to care what kind of person he is. And the Washington spirit surely do not care what kind of person he is. Um, That is a problem to me. It's a problem to me that the Washington spirit had this sort of canned response already prepared Um, that you can go read, I linked to it in my piece, that basically was like, yeah, it's fine. We we looked into it, it's fine. Um, And there's been nothing really since. And Richie Burke, you know, John Halloran um, out of Chicago asked Burke about the, the accusations and his response was, not really because I've got no interest in showing a bias in any way. It's not a metric I think about. I think about people. I like people. I've got some fantastic players and we've got some fantastic supporters and whichever, and whatever walk of life they come from, so be it. I'm a people lover. That is not an answer to did you call players homophobic slurs and were you abusive to them? That is not an answer to that question. Um, but my problem is that. It's that We don't have any answers. The league isn't interested in talking. The team isn't interested in talking. And a casual fan is going to have no idea any of this is a problem because we get slobbering, cloying commentary. And it's just, it's amazing to me in a league that has some of the most talented coaches in soccer. You have Vladko Andonovsky, you've got Laura Harvey, you've got Paul Riley, you've got Rory Dames. That... A coach like this is being held up as the best of them right now. He is being held up as the savior of the Washington spirit. And to me, there's just something so 
wrong about that and so unfair about that that Burke is sort of getting all of this accolade when there are so many deep questions about him. And it's unfortunate and it's a problem and it's something the league has to address because I don't think people are going to stop talking about it. I think Washington doing well is just going to make people talk about it more. Yeah. And frankly, from a media perspective, like we cannot stop talking about it. We have an obligation to talk about it. All right. Um, so moving on, probably not going to talk about Sky Blue until next week. We'll probably throw a preview for that at the end of one of the World Cup podcasts that we do. Um, shall we go to listener questions? I believe we should. Sounds good. So the Royal Brun says, we look tired and disconjointed, really missing low in the midfield. Tim Rack should have started over Doniak. 100% agree with that. Erica brought an immediate spark to the game, hoping she can get more time in the next couple of games. I think she needs to start. I think that going back to what we talked about, I think the position for her to to take that sports that starting role is ripe and she has been a solid player for them this year and i would love to see her get a full 90 minutes yeah i i think at this point if she doesn't start that says a lot of in harvey's confidence on her yeah exactly exactly um because doniak well i think doniak has a lot of talent um and she has had good moments there is not and granted, she hasn't played a lot. I have not been consistently impressed with her, if that makes sense. It's like, oh, that was a good moment. But sort of like what we were talking and what we have talked about Katie Stangle is that she sort of just disappeared or, you know, given the ball away and then disappeared, et cetera, et cetera. The thing is, though, like, that is a player that's really nice to have when you have your full roster. The problem is this team is made up with players that are really nice tools. They're just not, you know, the hammer and the nail. Exactly. Exactly. All right, Brent. The same things that are wrong when they have the star players. No inside out play. Forward sit on the line waiting for the pass instead of trying to make runs. It seems like communication is non-existence. They see passing lanes too late. Sad to see they could be great. I also think this is another comment that's hitting the nail on the head. Forwards literally, especially in this Washington game, look like they were waiting for the pass instead of trying to actively create opportunities. I agree that right now it's accurate. I don't agree that the first two games it was accurate. I thought Kristen Press was all over the damn field in her in in the first two games. Now, was she entirely successful? At some points, like for long stretches, she was. Um but I, I don't think it's fair to say all the forwards were sitting on the line waiting for a pass. Yeah, I also agree with that completely. You know, the team is playing completely different, but especially in that last game, it was sort of just, you know, hanging out, waiting for it. All right. Nick B watching the midfield without both Scott and Labonta was rough. Amen, dude. Uh, I hope the midfield steps it up against sky blue. I think Tim Rack earned a starting position here is to hoping we can get back to our winning ways. Go Royals. Yeah, a midfield without sort of your bruisers can can be rough. And Desiree Scott was excellent her first few games before she left with Canada. Like, flat out excellent. And seeing her not be is, uh, seeing her not there, you know, you sort of see how important she was. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think... Um... 
one of the biggest questions for this lo- for this club long term is going to be who replaces Desiree Scott when she decides to retire. I don't think that will be super soon. Um, I think she still has several more years, but I think looking long term, um, we've talked about this a lot. Um, she is incredible. All right, um, Ian. Does the team survive the World Cup window? I hope, man. Um, I do not have nuclear annihilation in my calendar yet. Yes, I think they survived the World Cup window because they are lucky enough to play the second worst team in the league twice. I think if they didn't have two games against Sky Blue, this would be a much tougher four-game stretch uh, for the next four games. But they do, and I think that is as fortunate as they get. If they can't get six points from Sky Blue, then I think deeper problems um, are there than how things have gone so far. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. All right, Elizabeth, what do we do now? You take a deep breath. You go have something that you like to drink, alcoholic, (laughs) non-alcoholic, whatever. And you just take a deep breath. Like, honestly, just taking a deep breath, understanding that this is not the end of the season that they still have opportunities. They still have winnable games on their schedule. They are going to get the majority of the team back. That should make you feel better. Looking at it and saying, okay, it's rough right now, but they're sitting in the top four. They could be down where Seattle and North Carolina are, but they're not. They're in a good position. Be okay with the fact that, yes, if you take nine starters out of a lineup, the team is not as good. When you put six or seven back the team is going to be better yeah agreed agreed (sighs) you know it's not the end of the world plenty of time to recuperate i think if there are if you know the game against sky blue looks like it did against washington then i press the panic button um yeah i I pressed the panic button then i was debating with myself whether i wait another game because then i think that's um, you know, evident that something is is just really, really not clicking. But I think that I think that with the two sky blue games, like we'll be fine. So one point just for everybody to take stock of: Utah currently has thirteen points. They are seven games into a twenty-four game season. They will score over forty if they just keep on pace with what they're doing. Uh, the Chicago Red Stars got into the playoffs last year with 36 points. So it's not the end of the world. It is a long season. It is an even longer season during World Cup and Olympic years. So at the moment, they're doing okay, guys. I know it feels bad to watch them play bad against the Spirit, but it's going to be okay. You can mark that on your calendars, I promise. If not, I will make Cindy eat a sock. (laughs) love that also becky sauerbrunn score a goal that will give her another sock to eat if becky sauerbrunn scores a goal i will buy a becky sauerbrunn yellow utah jersey hell yeah do you have your utah jersey i have no jerseys i actually don't own any uh jerseys i own uh, i was actually gifted two seattle warm-up tops uh, that are on the wall uh, actually, no, they're not on the wall anymore behind me for my podcasting wall. But I have two Seattle warm-up tops um, that I've had since like 2015. Uh, but I own no jerseys. I don't own an American jersey. I don't own any team's jersey. So it would be my first kit. 
Well, important. Okay, Becky, so much more important now. This takes precedent over um, Cindy eating a sock, clearly. Um, <laughs> yeah, just just kidding. Nothing takes precedent over Cindy eating a sock. <laughs> That's right. I forgot that. Like, I, I knew you were a scarf person, but I forgot how much of a scarf person you were. I love me a scarf. What can I say? Scarves are cool. They're very cool. All right, everyone. Uh, thanks for listening to episode 62. We'll be out, like I said earlier, with the smaller little World Cup preview prediction thing hope you all watch it the world cup is so fun admittedly this is gonna be the first women's world cup that i've paid attention to from the beginning to the end i've normally just sort of paid attention um to uh some of the the bigger games like the semifinals or the finals so i'm glad to be following this all the way through it's gonna be a fun ride all right see y'all later